0: Blah blah blah. Green economy. Blah blah blah. Net zero by 2050. Blah blah blah. It's gonna be very, very tough this summit. And I'm very worried because it, it might go it might go wrong. We have a moral responsibility. Even if we didn't cause it, we would have a
1: moral responsibility to do something about thousands of men, women and children.
2: We've lost everything.
3: COP is a massive opportunity, but it is a huge responsibility on the shoulders of world leaders. This
0: is COPcast. Hello, and welcome to COPcast 8. I am in Glasgow, but I am not at COP. I am in the Barras, and that is because uh, today is gender day. And I've been at an event uh, run by She Changes Climate, campaigning organisation, uh, which is trying to achieve a gender balance within places like COP. Uh, now, I've had a few really interesting conversations today we're going to bring to you. you. Um, the first is with uh, Bianca Pitt, who is the co-founder, and then uh, I had a chat with uh, Judy and Prudence, who were both people uh, here from Africa uh, working for... Organisations with a strong kind of nature focus but also with a lot of stuff to say about the gender aspect of today's conversations as well. I will be back at the end as ever with a little bit of housekeeping uh, but uh, as I say the first person you're going to hear from is the co-founder Bianca Pitt. I have to say it was a, re- <laughs> it was a busy environment so please forgive uh, a little bit of background noise. They were literally clearing up the venue when I was speaking to Bianca but she... Uh, She's stuck it out uh, very impressively. So this is, in the first instance, Bianca Pitt, and then you'll hear from Judy and Prudence. So today's Gender Day at COP. How much progress do you think we've made?
3: It's a very good question you're asking me. From my point of view, we have made some progress in so far as we have firmly put onto the map that it is unacceptable to not have equal representation of women in international climate negotiations. We are in a climate emergency. Scientists are telling us that by 2030 we will be living in climate chaos. We need to change something. 26 times have people attempted to turn things around they have not been able to break through the stalemate that we are in we therefore need to look at the leadership for these conferences we need to look at leadership in government we need to look at leadership in business and looking at that leadership tells us one thing only that we haven't had equal representation we haven't had diversity and that has brought us to the point we are in today
0: yeah because I think often when people think about these issues of representation, they think about them in terms of right and wrong, which is certainly part of the discussion, isn't it? But it's also about getting outcomes, right? And the diversity drives better outcomes.
3: Absolutely. I mean, what we all the researchers is that if you have diversity on boards, diversity in government, you just get better results. Why is that we have, have, you know, there is such a vast, vast variety of vision, of ideas, of, 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 of concepts out there and experiences that we have to bring into this to really ensure that we take decisions accordingly. We cannot take decisions that are only based on as a male, white experience. You know, this has driven us to this point. It has worked for a small group. Uh, of the planet, um, the capitalist system etc however it is not working for the vast majority of people and I think this is something we 've got to recognize now and change
0: and it's also that often the brunt of the actual impacts of climate change are borne by women
3: yeah this is something that that you know is I think is is relatively well known that women and girls bear indeed the brunt of climate change. They are the first to be made homeless, um, for example, in floods. Uh, when when the tsunami happened in, in Asia a few years ago, women were three times as likely to drown because they hadn't learned how to swim, they weren't taught how to swim. Uh, it's all defined by their cultural norms. Uh, they were trying to rescue their children and the elderly, and so they perished uh, in much larger numbers than men and the you know COVID has shown us the interconnectedness between the environment our social systems and the economy and women were much harder hit by COVID this pandemic than men they were more likely to lose their jobs when they lost their jobs they were less likely to come back into work again they bore the majority of homework housework uh, um, the I mean homeschooling um, the they They were just vastly you know there was those you had domestic abuse um There's a lot that women have to bear. However, we want to really focus on on women as champions for solutions. So we don't want to talk about women as victims because no one's going to invite a victim to the table. They want someone at the table because they know that this person will make them successful. And indeed, women are the key for their success. They are the key to accelerate climate action and are... An un- unutilised opportunity, really, here to, to drive change forward.
0: And last thing, really, I mean, one of the experiences that a lot of traditionally excluded groups are having at COP, it seems, is that they're welcome for the photo calls, they're welcome for the blue zone, they're welcome to be there so that people can see something is being done, but when it comes to the actual negotiations in, in the rooms, they're, they're excluded. Do you think that that is still happening to women?
3: Yeah, totally. We, we When we set up the campaign, um, that was a response uh, to the UK government having appointed a, a, a purely male team for their COP leadership team. And we therefore set up She Changes Climate. Um, this was supported by 500 female climate leaders from around the world. Uh, to bring this to the attention of the government, and I honestly have to say, I thought they'd just fix the problem. They'd appoint women, and that would be that, and we'll go back to what we normally do. Uh, which is sort of work on environmental issues, and they just didn't budge. It was astonishing. So we spoke to Alec Sharma, we spoke to the CEO of Copita Hill, uh, Anne-Marie Trevelyan, etc., etc. However, we even submitted a list of women that, that we thought would be tremendous additions to the team, all climate experts. I mean, climate is a very technical subject, and you want to have people sitting in these negotiations that really know what they're talking about. And they just didn't appoint any of these women that we, we suggested, despite their assurances that they would appoint some. And, you know, for us, that's just a very odd omission. They, they, they claimed that they had 45% women on the senior leadership team. However, if you look closely, those women were... There are only two out of 12 directors that the women. The rest of the women are all deputies. And, and that's a lower civil servant pay grade. So so And that is not what we're looking for. The UNFCCC has developed a policy called the Gender Action Plan. And the Gender Action Plan very clearly stipulates that women have to be equally represented at all levels of climate negotiations. They're not just the administrative team. Uh, they're not just the, the sort of deputies. They are meant to be in leadership teams. You know, and there are many reasons why they have to be in leadership teams. Because today, clearly, we're in a climate emergency emissions are still rising despite 26 years of negotiations. We need new architects now to come on board. We need new architects to design a sustainable future for all of humanity. This is not just a women's issue, this is humanity's issue now. And if we don't bring them in, well, we're never ever going to make the progress that we want to make.
0: Listen, thank you. I know it's a big day for you, so thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me about Perfect. it.
3: Thank you very much for interviewing me. I really appreciate that.
0: Right, we have found a little quiet spot uh, at She Climate. Um, I tell you what. I'll let you introduce yourselves. Who have I got?
1: My name is Prudence Muchinota, and I'm from Zambia. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Community Markets for Conservation.
0: Great. And what's that?
1: Community Markets for Conservation is a model, if I may call it that, that works to serve forests, wildlife, whilst providing sustainable livelihoods for many rural women and many other rural communities. Brilliant. And Judy?
2: Yeah, I'm Judy Murithi, I'm from Kenya, uh, I wear mini hats, <laughs> okay, uh, I'm the, I am a founder for an organization called Saving Elephants for with, Through Education and Justice, and I work for Focus for Conservation, I work in the legal department, and uh, I mostly use the courts to for conservation.
0: Right, and... Certainly, for our listeners like, who know about wildlife crime, here that is an issue yes, like dear yes, to our yes, hearts.
2: Yes, yes, yes. That's a really big issue, and that's what I—that's actually my my mantra.
0: Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, well we'll maybe cut to that minute. What I wanted to talk to you about both first, right, is it is Gender Day at COP, mm-hmm. and this event is very much centred on that. Where, where for you is the connection between biodiversity and gender?
1: What is very key for many of us to understand is that women are nature themselves because of the way they are created and when we're looking at biodiversity and all that contains or is around uh, biodiversity, who who best to preserve it other than the females, and um, with COP26 trying to focus on gender um, equality, I think one key thing is if we can bring women to the forefront, we can resolve many of the issues that we are facing regarding climate change and also the destruction of biodiversity.
0: Yeah, because I mean, stating the obvious, historically women have not been put at the forefront of this, have they, you know, what what are the kind of things that that have been stopping that happening and, and how do you see it getting solved?
2: Even before we start, we say... Mother Nature, not Father Nature. I'm sorry, <laughs> but anyway, um, I think when you talk about the, the the diversity conversation, there's a lot that needs to come in. It's supposed to be a joint effort, so we can't say all about just women. It's supposed to be both of them. And uh, I feel like the role that women are supposed to have played, maybe from 50 years be, uh, ago, it has not yet been filled. And then it's, it's time we need to start filling that gap. And with time, I feel like with all this education awareness and everyone is becoming more aware there's the women empowerment programmes. I think we'll get there maybe with it's like an incremental journey and I think we are actually making our first step. There's so much to go ahead.
0: Now when you're in COP, right, and you're and you're experiencing that is is that quite a male space still? Um and and what kind of problems does that pose?
1: Um What what I can mention to you is today I was actually presenting a speech on gender equality at the president's event at at COP26. And indeed, it is still a man's uh, speech. We have many women that were representative in the room today, and these many women are taking up seats. So we have managed to bulldoze away to take seats at the table. But what we are asking for is now action, decision-making sports, and that's where it's a challenge, possibly because men still also dominate the financing side, and we all know that money talks, so when they make decisions, um, they are using money to make these decision, decisions, and we want women to be part of that decision-making so we can actually see change and rechannel the funds that are being used against what we all stand for.
0: Yeah, because there's an analogy here, right, as well with a lot of other people, excluded people's experience, right, that, that this, this COP has seen a certain amount of representation of people from the global south, representation of women, representation of people of traditionally excluded backgrounds, but often those people find that when they get there, they're on the margins, right, and, yeah. and they're not being admitted to those crucial conversations. Is that your experience?
2: Yeah, that's very true. Let me just give you maybe an example Assuming you know, you know you're in a big room, okay? We have we have 50 men, okay? And then you enter; you're the only woman. Can you get number where I'm, where I'm getting at? And I feel like that's where exactly where we are. So this is still a huge; it's a very big conversation, and I feel like it will it needs to be had. Uh,
0: it is a massive conversation, right? I mean, we won't cover it all year today. Um, but but um, I, I wanted to address one other thing as well, which listening to you in the presentations, right, which is quite often, I think, people in the West can assume that for people in the global South that nature is a luxury, right? That, 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 that you know, we care about birds and stuff because we feed them in our garden. But, you know, and that is fundamentally not true, is it?
1: It definitely is not true. Um, if I may look at it from an African setup, nurture is our being, to just simplify it as is. We don't have to pay. Nature is not tourism for us. It is who we are. It is
0: what we are. Yeah. Absolutely, and and what's your experience? Yeah,
2: perfectly, perfectly, perfectly put. And um, what I would say is, um, nature—just as as she said—nature is us. We need to stop damaging it. We need to stop polluting it. We need to stop all these negative effects on it.
0: Yeah. And just the last thing. Again, this is another enormous topic, and we want to, but much of. The really critical negative impacts of climate change are being felt by people in in your communities, right? So that that's the other reason they've got a stake in this.
1: Yes, and. Um I mean, that has been the major topic that people that are actually being affected by climate change are not really contributing to the carbon emissions. They are just suffering as a result of the bad decisions that are being made. So when you look at trees being cut down, when you look at the floods, when you read about the floods, the um, hot temperatures... Just as of yesterday, I was receiving a notification that people should stay indoors from Zambia because the temperatures was as high as 41. That's not Southern Africa because we've got all these water borders. But these are the effects of climate change. And it may seem like just a statement that's coming from the meteorological center. But we, who can be in air-conditioned offices, we have a solution. It's short-lived. Those that are living in the rural communities, they can't even leave their huts. And these are small huts, by the way. They can't even get any food from the land. We can go into a grocery store and buy food. They have nothing. So they are the ones that are actually suffering from the effects of climate change. And that's why their voices need yeah. to be heard.
0: Um, presumably that's experience that experience would resonate with you as well.
2: Yeah, I actually I, I, f- I feel like if I start talking about this conversation, it makes me a bit furious because this global north and it's south. Okay, conversation be furious, yeah. we
0: are open to people <laughs> being furious. That's
3: okay.
2: This conversation will never end, and I feel like there's a lot of mayors and uh, big things to start unpacking. But what I'll say is that we need to, okay. that's why we're here in the COP, we need to come up with other solutions because I feel like what you've been doing already is clearly not working. So we need to look for other mitigating factors or mitigating solutions. And the more we want to have the credit system, it's very flawed. You're giving credits credit to Africa, but the same, same countries are still polluting Africa with their own credits. So what exactly are we doing? That's what trying And it's a very... Anyway, I'll just
0: start. Well, there's so much, there's so much. To listen, um, I'm, I'm very grateful yeah. to you both for taking the time to, 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 to really just skim the surface of this mm-hmm. stuff, but it is something that... That people here are now hearing about because of COPPAN, at least, I think. We can all agree that, so at least a good a voice is a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah,
1: this, yeah, is yeah. The, this is the time, because we yeah. could be having people in meetings and they're not having the discussions that we're having now, yeah. because not everybody gets an opportunity to sit in those closed-door meetings. And yeah. this is uh, a pleasure, and uh, we would want to get as much uh, of our voice heard out there, representing many of the communities that
0: cannot travel all the way to Glasgow. Okay. Well, thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah,
0: thank you. Thank you. So that is it for Copcast 8 I'll be back tomorrow uh, trying to get more of a sense of how things are shaping up behind the fence uh, we'll be back up at the actual site of Cop tomorrow but until then, thank you for listening and goodbye